has, has like a, a woman dolphin. ever commented there's something really annoying about you? <laughs> I mean, aside from the obvious. Oh my god, it's like a checklist, you know? Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the shenanigans. It was the early 80s, and sex was still a good way to meet new people. The disappointment. Now that's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that. And the self-confidence. I'm six foot, three inches tall, and maintain a very consistent panda bear shape. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears with... Wait a second. Is that Lou Graham playing in the background? Could this finally be the show where Sean Daly confronts his sexual mentor? My loins are tingling, baby. My loins are tingling. It is the Lou Graham podcast. Oh, man. I can't wait for this. Yes, we got Lou Graham, the great lead singer from Farner, on the phone. And I'm going to say, you know I don't like to deal in hyperbole, Steve. Ever. No, never. No, but honestly, this is one of our great interviews. If only because we've never had an interview subject... <laughs> give himself emotionally right to to us and to the interview i mean he uh as as you listen to this uh interview you hear lou's excitement level kind of go from high to low but for a reason right not because we suck but because um lou graham had a famous falling out with mick jones from foreigner mick jones who we interviewed earlier this year Back this is January, our bookend yeah. Yeah. So our bookend interview, uh, 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 our comprehensive look at Farner, uh, and but also Lou Graham um, has had some health problems. He's now in a Christian rock band. He's had a very tumultuous career, you know. And yet the beginning of the interview is is very celebratory because I reveal to Lou how he played a major part in my coming of age. Yeah. You know, Lou is playing um, the club in Treasure Island on November 27th here in uh, sunny, beautiful Florida. So we jumped at the opportunity to interview Lou. And I got I mean, will you agree with me? This is a tremendous interview. Yeah, it is. It is for every reason you're talking about. You know, it's funny because the weeks leading up to this interview, we knew we were going to get it. And we battled back and forth. Well, do we do we give Lou Graham the great reveal? And we said, and, yes. and if we do, where do we put in the but, interview? Will he? He's in a Christian rock band. Will he be put off that my initial question or my initial revelation uh, has to do with my naughty bits? Right. So we said, you know, beginning of the show, end of the show, somewhere in the middle, maybe. Um, but no, Sean Daly cannot be contained. Of course not. And as you're about to find out, I blurted out immediately. 
that he had uh, a strong part in my um, divergenization. First little background on Mr. Lou Graham. Real name, by the way. Lou Graham. No, Lou no, Gramatico. Uh, you love that. You love that. That's my favorite joke. He's, uh, he's now 60 years old. Uh, he's obviously best known for Foreigner, but he had a hell of a solo career in the late 80s. Oh, I love Midnight Blue for obvious reasons. Just Between You and Me. Oh, oh yeah. great. No, he really, really did well. And as you're going to find out in the interview, that was a huge, huge um, coup for Lou Graham because he was basically kind of forced out of Foreigner, recorded the solo album, and uh, a lot of question marks about if he could go alone without Foreigner, and he did to a huge, huge degree. A lot of people debate nowadays about... Bands like Foreigner and Styx and Journey, whether they are, in fact, still a you, vital you, act. You and I debate this a lot. Back and forth. Because I'm a purist, and I like the bands in their original format, right. which is kind of a no-duh. But you say that these bands still have a lot to offer, even with a new lead singer. Most of them do. Like I've seen Foreigner with their new singer, Kelly Hansen, and Kelly Hansen is a dead-on impersonator of Lou Graham. Kelly Hansen is Lou Graham. 30 years ago. I don't believe it, Steve. You it cannot is. replace the great Lou Graham. They did. And, and they sound fantastic. Now, the odd thing is that Kelly Hansen is one of the Hansen brothers from Slapshot. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Glasses it's so and everything. amazing, the twist. Yeah. The, uh, now, Journey, on the other hand, goes with Arnell Pineda instead of Steve Perry. I, uh, Arnell's really close to being a Steve Perry clone, but not exactly but the I same. But I don't want clones. I want the real thing. See, that's why you're like, yeah, you can't you're have so the real comfortable thing. in the future, future shock. When I'm uh, much happier in the 1920s. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, no, Arnel Pineda, and then, and then, I saw him. Sti- he, was, he was enjoyable. Right, he's great. And then Styx has Lawrence Gowan, who is a total ass clown. Is he really? Oh, he's AC, awful. Total AC. He's awful. I mean, I, I've seen him two or three times now with him. I don't want to see him anymore. He, he, he does not have any of the, um, the debonair, yeah, uh, shall we say. The of panache. A, the panache of yeah. uh, Dennis DeYoung. He's like a... Uh, you know, guy that's in the back of a carny. You know, playing piano while you're trying your weight. You might as well be guessing your weight. Exactly, spinning his keyboard around. So, some people will say, "I will never see Foreigner without Lou Graham." Well, I get the feeling that you may never see Foreigner. But let's not give that away. That's our big kicker, too. It is. This is a tremendous interview, and a lot of you're like, "Lou Graham, come on!" But I'm telling you, on this Thanksgiving weekend, as you sit down to enjoy another episode of Stuck in the Eighties. Give this interview a chance. We're going to hit you with segs later on. You know we're going to bring the segies, so we'll have fun there. But really, give this interview a chance. Because it really is. It's a good job by Steve and I. It's a very nuanced interview. You're going to hear about the genesis of Waiting for a Girl Like You, which is one of our great stories, complete with uh, cool sound effects and stuff. And, of course, we open up with uh, you know, the deflowering of Sean S. Daly. Are you ready? You know, I'm so excited to hear this again. I'm ready, and I hope the 80s nation is ready, too, because we are giving you a gift on Thanksgiving weekend. Hey, Lou, you there? I am here. Hey, it's Sean Daly, the music critic at the St. Pete Times. And uh, with me is Steve Spears, an entertainment editor at TampaBay.com, and we are happy to talk to you today. Oh, it's nice to talk to you guys, too. Yeah, you'll be playing the club at Treasure Island uh, in beautiful, sunny Florida on Thanksgiving weekend, November 27th. Yeah, that's going to be great. Yeah, you're going to kill it down here. 
Excellent, excellent. And, uh, you know, we're big. Uh, Steve and I do a show called Stuck in the 80s. We're big uh, Foreigner fans and Lou Graham fans. Oh, thank you. And I've told this story on our show before, and I have to tell it to the man himself. Um, when I was a young lad, okay, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and Lou, on my very special night with a young lady when I became a man, Oh boy! The song that was playing as I lost my precious virginity was "Midnight Blue." Oh, by Lou how Graham. cool is that? <laughs> See, and, and, and I, I was told only uh, waiting for a girl. And uh, I want to know what love is works, but you see that Midnight Blue is all right too, well, isn't it? Well, well, it's not like I mean, listen, no, no offense, it's not like I queued it up. It was just kind of serendipity that the radio was on, and I was on, and all of a sudden, Lou Graham was in the room with us, and something just happened. Midnight Blue is a great song, but it just happened to be you were you were the man of the hour. I'm sure. Let me ask you: Do you hear that all the time? Are people always saying that? Uh, not not necessarily uh, that. Although we have heard that occasionally, uh, a lot of it is. Do you know we used I Want to Know What Love Is for our wedding song? <laughs> oh, yeah, I imagine. Yeah, and that, that's very nice, really, you know? Do you get money for that? <laughs> Every time uh, there's a I wedding? I think it's uh, six cents a play, you know? <laughs> oh, man, I'll take it. I could take those checks. <laughs> yeah, you got to divide that five ways. Hey, Lou, let me ask you, when you come down to Treasure Island, I mean, you have your, uh, are, are you still do the foreigner stuff, correct? Absolutely, yep. Okay. It's my, it's my stuff, too, you know. Oh no no no! I I know we're gonna, yeah, yeah. We're gonna talk about that soon. But I just I, I didn't know um, if because I know you have your new project uh, and you're doing a lot of songs there. So you're just mixing solo and Farner and the new stuff. They'll hear it that's all. That's exact. That's exactly right. You know. Excellent. Um, well, let's go back then to uh, to to Farner Four and a song like Waiting uh, Waiting for a Girl Like You. And tell us a little bit about one the uh, the writing process with you and Mick Jones. Like you guys, I know it's. It was not always pleasant. Maybe it's still not pleasant today. But just take us. I mean, this masterpiece, this rock classic. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I, I know that uh, he had a, at that point he had a, a very nice apartment uh, on the on the west side, upper west side, and uh, his wife cooked us a nice a nice dinner, and we we uh, moseyed into to his uh, his his little corner studio, uh, and. Uh, we started listening to his his uh, CD of of song ideas, some guitar, some piano, and uh, he he had he had this uh, this little thing that he uses to to see if his piano is exactly in tune, and it goes like this. Ding, 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 ding. You know, only octaves. Ding, 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 ding. You know, and I go, boy, that's what you use to see if your piano's in tune. That's too, too damn catchy for that, you know. <laughs> and and, uh, and then I, then I, I, I started to put like a, a rhythm to it. Doom, doom, doom. And I said, now play that. Ding, 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 ding. You know, and and uh, so so we worked on the chorus for a while and and had a good good start on that and and then then moved into the to the verse section of the song and uh, you know it, 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 we made progress but we didn't nail it in one in one night and we obviously we left it and went on to other things and then and then came back to it and and. Uh, it inspired us again for what we had of it, and, and we were able to finish it. 
You know, it's funny. It's a, it's obviously a rock classic. Uh, you know, one of the great ballads of all time in rock and roll. But as you, you, you describe the making of it, it really is. There is some elbow grease involved there. It's not like all of a sudden the skies opened up and it was like a gift from the heavens, right? I mean, you, you really have to work that, on that. That's that sky opening up thing. If if you get that once in your career, you better be real thankful. Yeah, it, it's 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 always trying to to put the round peg in the square hole and and uh you hear an idea that you think is good you work on it and it ends up being somebody else's idea that you've heard so so you know it's 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 a real push and shove give and take thing and and uh if you're fortunate you not only get an idea that makes the song work but a great idea yeah no kidding and i I found out today that thomas dolby played the synthesizer part on Waiting for a Girl Like You. I didn't know that. Yes, he did. He, he uh, actually was uh, involved in a, in a few songs uh, on that album. Uh, I believe it was before he had his own uh, solo album that, that did so well. But, but he was bubbling under. He already had a real, real uh, uh, serious name for himself on the other side of the ocean. And uh, and I, I uh, would like to think that this helped him break through over here. Yeah, actually, I spoke to uh, Thomas Dolby a few years ago, and one of the first questions uh, I talked to him about was working with Foreigner, and he just he went on and on about how much he enjoyed the experience and, and how he, how proud he was to be a part of that album. That's interesting because because at the time, um, you know, there there was that 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 uh, new music, obviously that synth heavy music that he was a part of, and uh, Mick and I were a little worried that he would be. He would be a little bit snobbish towards our kind of music, and maybe not give us his best. But but he gave us way way more than we had ever hoped for, and uh, he was a he was a great guy. On top of that, why snobbish? Just because you guys were a pure rock and roll band, like yes, yeah, yeah. You know, it it was an odd mixture, and uh, uh, you know, it could have been uh, like oil and water. But but uh, we 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 uh, actually talk the same language when when you get right down to it and and uh, and he, he had his own great ideas and and when we asked him to to tailor them a, a little bit he he uh, he was more than willing. Wow. Hey. So so I'm kind of curious. So the mid '80s come and suddenly the the popular music scene is seen a split between you. Know, you have the the synth pop from Britain and the new wave bands, but you still have the hard rocking acts like Foreigner. And Def Leppard. I mean, did you feel sort of a pressure at that point as artists who are trying to, you know, still sell a ton of records to incorporate, you know, both sounds into one album? Well, I, I, I think that that uh, while while the 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 synth uh, would occasionally uh, uh, play more of a, a part than it had in the past, I think we were more determined to 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 make sure that we. Flew the rock banner as high as we could, and 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 didn't didn't change into something that we weren't like a chameleon, you know. Yeah, you know, with Foreigner Four was such a major, major, major hit for you guys. Did that, in a way, I mean, it kind of changed. I mean, Foreigner was big before then, but then Foreigner Four just changed everything. You guys were like the biggest band on the planet at the time. Um, did that kind of lead to maybe the trouble with you and Mick? Uh, did like did egos get too big, or or what happened there? Um, I think the the three albums before Four or Four, uh, although Mick and I did write together, I, I wrote with Al Greenwood and wrote with Ian McDonald, and 
and and Mick wrote with with them too, and, and uh, I, I don't think there was the the necessarily the 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 pressure or or the impetus for one writer to dominate the other. However, when we made the changes in the band just before four and or four, uh, uh, I I I believe that that Mick and I counted on each other completely to to deliver in four and or four. And, and and I felt that we did, but 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 uh, as as time went on and we started doing more albums, I I I just felt like like Mick wanted to 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 uh, wear the 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 writer's hat uh, almost completely himself and and relegate me to 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 just being the singer, and and uh, I believed in my ideas. And and uh, he, he, uh, he couldn't fathom what they were about, and and really wasn't that interested in either either because he'd rather he he, he rather would would uh, work on his ideas. So that's when when uh, at some point in in the uh, mid to to, to late eighties, uh, I I uh, I knew I had to do a solo album, not only to prove to Myself, uh, my own self worth as a as a writer uh, and, and an artist in my own right, but 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 really to 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 uh, uh, to show him that that not only my ideas but my production values and my song content is as is at the level of his. And you came out with a bang with Midnight Blue, which I, I came out with a bang as well to Midnight <laughs> Blue. And then, uh, and Just Between You and Me is one of my favorite songs uh, uh, from the late 80s, too. I, I, I was in college yep. at the time, and I loved singing that as well. So with Ready or Not and Long Hard Look, I mean, you were out on your own. Tell us about that, that liberation. It was it was fantastic. Uh, uh, it it it, uh, it was it was a little scary at moments uh, doing the album and and uh, you know knowing that that when we were doing the final mixes that that other than mastering him that was going to be it. You know you 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 were out there for everyone to to see and hear. But but uh, I I knew we had something with Midnight Blue, and uh, the funny thing is. Uh, um, Bruce Turgan, who I worked with at that time, um, uh, we played Midnight Blue for Mick to see if he liked it as a foreigner oh, song. Oh, no kidding! I swear to you. Stick it and, to him! <laughs> and, and and he didn't get it. He, he, he was like, what? Oh. What? You know, and, and, and uh, he, he, he didn't see anything in it and, and more or less dismissed it. Jeez. Sounds like he had already checked out, though. And uh, you know, so so so. The thing the thing was that 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 uh, uh, we were also on Atlantic Records, and and I I believe that that Mick and and the president of Atlantic at the time knew they had to to uh, uh, make sure that 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 
first album's success wasn't too big, or, or I might not go back to Foreigner. Wow. And and so they, uh, uh, you, you couldn't stop Midnight Blue and Ready or Not, but after that they 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 didn't want to release any more singles. You know, uh, we talked to Mick back in January before Foreigner came uh, to Tampa Bay, and um, we asked him how things were between uh, him and you, and he was very polite, but I think his exact words were not good. <laughs> yep. Well, Lou, I, yeah, I mean, we we don't want to make this the, the the tone of the. I mean, we're really excited to talk to you. We didn't want to make it the tone of. No, we don't want show. he said, she said, or yeah, any of that crap, yeah. you know. I mean, because you guys were responsible together for some like for for you know some of rock's most tremendous you know arena rocking anthems. So you know, we're just trying to get to the bottom of it. You know, yep. we, we respect both of you guys. But you know? but you know, uh, as late as as late as uh, you know, I, I, I again returned to the band. And and uh, we, we we did another album in uh, in ninety three ninety four, um, and that was Mister Moonlight. Have you heard of that? Oh, album? Oh yeah, it's a great album. Yeah, thank you. And, and unfortunately, it was with a small record label uh, based out of Southern California, and they they had little to to nothing as. In terms of, of of a promotion staff, and, and uh, so the distribution was was not uh, uh, very extensive, but, but we were with BMG for the rest of the world, and in the rest of the world, that that Mr. Moonlight album was a hit. Yeah. In the U.S., you can pretty much mention it to the average guy on the street, and they've never heard of it. Steve is not the average guy. <laughs> he, he he bleeds foreigner. Yeah. I thought that was a real fine album. Never will I lose this How was I mean? How was the dynamics between? I mean, was it you writing your songs, him writing his songs, or was it, or was it the old, you know, chemistry yeah. back together again uh, during Mister Moonlight? Yeah, uh, I thought well, I thought we were, you know, because we uh, we had we had uh, we had we had split for uh, about two or three years, and uh, we met in uh, in a hotel in in L.A. during the L.A. riots. And and uh, when when I landed, we we were supposed to land at LAX, but we we were diverted to John Wayne Airport because people were shooting at the planes. Jeez, oh my God! And, and as I as I uh, was driven to the hotel where Mick was at, where I was going to get a room too, uh, there there was smoke, big smoke wafting up from 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 buildings in the distance. It looked like a war zone. That there were so many armed uh, uh, um, national guard and police on on the flat roofs of buildings with machine guns walking around. You know, and uh, it was a very tense, strange time in Los Angeles. And uh, so, so we locked ourselves in a room and 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 talked about. Everything uh, uh, for at least two days, and and then we 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 made peace, and and uh, 
decided to take the band to the next step. Mm-hmm. And although Mr. Moonlight, I thought, was one of our best albums ever, uh, if you ask anyone in Europe or, or the rest of the world, I think they would agree. But in, in America, they go, Mr. Who? Yeah, tell us a little bit now about um, the, the Lou Graham Band. Well, um, the Lou, Lou Graham Band uh, consists of uh, uh, um, people that I, uh, people that I worked with before in the band I was in before Foreigner, which was called Black Sheep. And uh, Black Sheep had two, two albums on Capitol Records back in the early 70s. Mm-hmm. And uh, also on drums is my, my brother Ben. And uh, we again we play we play the foreigner hits, of course the ones that I was involved in. Uh, we we play the solo material from from uh, the Lou Graham band, and we we play uh, uh, the latest album that was put out at the end of last summer, which is more Christian rock, right? Yes, it is, but but but. It rocks would, pretty hard. I would emphasize the word rock. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because well, that, that brings up a good question. Because when I, when I think of Foreigner and I think of the hits, I don't think of a, I don't think of like a, what's the word? I don't know what I'm looking for. Like not like a non-Christian kind of message. I mean, it's not like ACDC or Ozzy Osbourne. I mean, there's no, it seems like the the themes there aren't exactly, are, are, are sort of Christian friendly. I mean, am I misinterpreting Hot-blooded? it? blooded Well, maybe <laughs> not that one. Double vision? <laughs> Yeah, but isn't that about someone getting knocked out of a hockey game? <laughs> that's double visions get someone getting knocked out of a hockey game, right? Well, that's that that was my impetus, but but the song uh, uh, really does does take on a a, a uh, messed up seeing double vision, you know. Now, is that uh, uh, your 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 uh, your religion come into play? Is that something that's always you, you've wanted to address as a star, or is that um, in the last few years? Um, uh, my, my, I I uh, I'm I'm a, I'm a born again Christian, and I was saved in in the very early nineties, uh, and uh, it's it's a real good thing too because I probably would have uh, I was on the verge of killing myself with drugs and alcohol, honestly. Was that like, I mean, the heyday of like Foreigner Four, and when you guys were were huge? I mean, were you? Uh, was it pretty hedonistic there on the old tour bus? Uh, I don't think that was our worst days. To tell you the truth, uh, I think it was more towards the late eighties that 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 things were were kind of getting out of hand. And at least for me, they were. And I could also see that they were taking a toll on on uh, on other people too, and uh, I I kind of uh, bottomed out uh, the the night after we played Madison Square Garden, and and I I just I just gave it up. I, I knew that it was stronger than me, and I asked God to to, to help me so I didn't kill myself. And, and uh, I, I called a friend, and the next day I was on a plane to rehab. Wow. wow. Uh, another problem arose when when I came out the next tour, determined 
that I wasn't going to party. And everybody else in the band was. Wow. And, and I had to lock myself in the back lounge. And the reality was, if I went out there, I would be right in the middle of I don't know what. And that tour was really hell for me. Wow. You know, although everybody said, oh, yeah, that's great. We, res- we respect your sobriety. And, and, then, and then, then they'd uh, cut some lines, you know. Oh, Jesus. So, so, so I was almost—I felt like a prisoner back there, you know. And it—it uh, it, it became—I just—I—I uh, I just couldn't see continuing that way. And and uh, as it as it turned out, uh, as it turned out, to tell you the truth, Mick Mick started to straighten out too. Oh, that's yeah. good. It it, it it was very good. We got to ask the question. I mean, if Mick wanted to uh, to sit down and talk about a reunion, would you be open to that? Um, we had a meeting in New York about six months ago, and and I talked to him about a a, a re, reunion slash farewell concert, which I think would be a great way to go out. Sure. After yeah. after all these years, you know. Sure, amazing. Maybe, uh, uh, maybe get a couple more of the original members if they're still playing. Ian McDonald or Dennis Elliott, somebody like that. Uh, um, whatever, uh, you know, play, play, a, play a dozen, a dozen and a half cities in the states, and and about the same in Europe, Asia, and the rest of the world, and 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 call it Foreigner Farewell or something like that, and and really go out and leave people with a good memory of the band. Because the band Foreigner, as it is now, uh, from what I read, sometimes Mick doesn't even play. He has another guitar player play. Oh, so wow. there's nobody in Foreigner. Wow. So what, what was his reaction? He, he, we were with our attorneys for, for other reasons. And his initial reaction was one of excitement until his attorney told him to 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 stifle himself. Huh. And and that was the end of the conversation. Wow. Jeez. It's not going to end this way. I I got a good feeling that someday we're going to well, we, we you will get that tour. Well, you know what? I I I think a lot of time has gone by and and uh you know, I uh, uh I I think it's almost to the point now where where we would go out there and and there'd be a different generation of kids that that wouldn't even care. Yeah, but you still have everybody. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. The '80s revival right now is pretty no, strong. And, and I think that kids today, because their current options are so limited. You know, I'm the music critic. I go to schools and stuff. Man, I tell you, that classic rock. I mean, they're finding a lot of that stuff. Whether it's the Stones or Zeppelin or Foreigner, you. I, I think you'd be surprised. I think when you play at Treasure Island on, on Saturday, the, the 27th, you're going to see some young uh, people rocking out. Then you'll well, that would be people, awesome. Then you'll see old people like me crying when you play Midnight Blue. <laughs> <laughs> So there you go. He was good-natured about my story. He felt it was a compliment. I gotta admit, I lost a few hours sleep 
the night before wondering what he was going to say when you said that. Really? You worry so much. But that's the beauty of the interview. You never know which way it's going to go. And I got to say, Steve, for as much as you, you're accepting of 80s bands with new lead singers, you are the first one to always ask about the reunion. Like, or maybe I asked on this time, but you're always really hankering to, you want that reunion. You want the purity of the original act. Of course. Because in a way, it's symbolic of your desire to go back to the 80s and become whole again. <laughs> You've really put a lot of thought into this. I have. Actually, none at all. <laughs> like every other podcast, I've no, but it, right, boom, like that. It comes to me. It's so obvious. But that's what I love about you, and that's what all the Spearsettes love about you, too. There are no Spearsettes. You know what else? Do you is- know how much how damage control I have to do every time you say Spearsette? I get all these women who, who, who are friends, because I like to have friends that are female, unlike you, Mr. Daly. They, 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 they write me, they call me, they text me, they send me a, you know, a photo of their and they say, what is all this about Spearsettes? Bob, that is poppy. Am I just a Spearsette? I'm like, no, you're a friend. And you know the amazing thing is that here I am, you know, uh, uh, I'm, uh, uh, I'm torn, I'm in a new uh, lifestyle situation, and yet you're still getting all the uh I'm not getting attention. anything. I'm, I'm, I'm happily alone. I mean, uh, do people find me friend. intimidating? You're my intelligence? My, my, roguish, intelligence. my roguish good looks? It's not that. <laughs> is, it, bil- is it my narcissism, perhaps? Yeah. Ah! You know what else is really narcissistic? The Saggies. Hey, hey, must be time for Reader Mailbag. Great letter today in Reader Mailbag from our friends Aaron and Mike Reeser. And it goes a little something like this. Dear Sean and Steve, though mostly for Sean, who claims to get less Reader Mail. It's not a, cl- yeah, it's not a claim, it's the truth. You have 2,000 friends on Facebook, and you're going to quibble... Because the emails come to my email basket. You have a thousand friends. We share like what nine hundred friends. Yeah, yeah. Half of those are my relatives. This is what Aaron and Mike have to say. Is it possible to stalk someone twenty years after the fact? Ooh, I like that. (laughs) As we know for a fact, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna get back some good stalking again. I think. I think that's what my life is missing. Uh, I am a new listener to the podcast. We love to hear that. But I apparently have been following in Sean Daly's footsteps. Hmm. I, too, grew up in Pennsylvania. I went to Syracuse University, class of 1993, a year after me. It's a good chance that maybe we hooked up. I was going to ask that very same question. Uh, I traveled the I-79 corridor, dodging potholes on my way to visit the boyfriend in Pittsburgh, my hometown. And here I visited my girlfriend in Pittsburgh as well from Syracuse. She was in Pittsburgh? Natalie Diffenbaugh went to the University of Pittsburgh. It's been a while since we played that. I forgot my cues. I forgot to pause. It's good to hear the old uh, drink, drink, drink again. Um, and I recently discovered I could have bumped into Sean at the Edie Brickell concert. I really hope, Aaron, that you weren't the one who smelled like bologna. Alas, now that I finally know of Sean, I will have to stalk from afar, preferably while eating Funyuns. No, no, please, stalk up close. I do need to give full credit to my husband for discovering your show. While I keep one foot in the present, he tries to keep both feet firmly planted in the 80s. He was giddy one recent weekend when he discovered you had not one, but two new podcasts to listen to. I could hear him cackling over the witty repartee of our favorite co-hosts. When I asked him what was so funny, he became a bit defensive and announced, Look, life is short, okay? And I want to spend as much time as possible with Sean and Steve. Hmm. Nice to see where his wife and family rank. 
To make it up to me, a few days later, he brought home two small bags of Funyuns, signed one from Sean and one from Spearsy. Thanks for making us laugh and keeping us stuck in the 80s, Aaron and Mike Reeser. There you go. Great letter. One of my favorites all year long. You know what? We have some of the best letter writers, you know, of all podcasts and radio shows. I love our letters. Are we still getting a lot, Steve? What's the mailbag look like these days? Hmm. Eh, you know, we get our fair share. I love the stories, though. Tell us a story. Yes, that was a story, and it kind of kissed our ass. We love that. <laughs> yeah, it's best of but, all worlds. But smooching plus story equals you're getting your letter read. Right, right. And throwing a photo of you. And she did. I don't know if you read the blog, Sean. I read a blog called Stuck in the 80s. And on that you're blog... such a D-bag. Yeah. Oh, come on. If there's anyone who's a D-bag here, <laughs> it's, you know... There's a photo of Aaron and Mike with their little bags of Funyuns. That's adorable. It's really adorable. I put it on my Facebook page. You did. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Do we put it on the Stuck in the 80s Facebook page, too? Mm, yeah, I thought you did. Don't forget to invite your friends and family to join our Facebook st- uh, page. Yeah. A lot of activity there. We're there every day. Sometimes we'll give little updates about what Steve and I are doing, like our recent trip to Ikea. Oh, that was fun. Where you were like, I, I need to help, and you were bird-dogging chicks the whole time. Sweetest chicks. <laughs> And you and I, yes, you and I got the five extra meatballs for a dollar. It was worth it, though, wasn't so it? So we get all these meatballs. We have 30 combined meatballs, and Steve decides we need five more for a dollar, which is a good deal. They're, they're, they're delicious there. It's the gravy that really sells the Ikea Swedish meatball. And you're like, yeah, we can share them. And then you hoovered all the extra five I meatballs. I did not. You at least I offered them up, but you had the <laughs> they dessert. They were gone. You had the dessert. I didn't eat dessert. The d- dessert wasn't that good. I didn't, I didn't want you picked it in the first place. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so join our Facebook page. Come visit Steve's blog. I also have a blog. <laughs> Even <laughs> I can name laugh only. about it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Steve, tell our listeners where they can send their lovely missives. As always, you send them to stuck in the 80s at tampabay.com. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for mystery movie moment. Hey, it's the segment where we play a snippet of a movie from the 80s, if you can get it right. And if you include your address in your email, I'll try to send you some band stickers. What a joke. There are no band stickers. I, still, I swear to God. But we're down to like the dregs. You know we're what? Right band stickers has become, yeah, yeah, I'll call you in the morning. It's like, no, it's, I've given away all the good band stickers now. Now it's down to Dio. <laughs> really? And like the Rolling Stones 25th oh, anniversary. Dio, those Dio stickers are worth something now. Yeah. Sad. We lost another one. Pay attention. Here's the last show's mystery clip. Punctuality is a virtue, my good madam. Let's chew the fat. Dr. Detroit. Oh, my God. I used to watch that on cable. (laughs) Oh, so bad. Fran Drescher is one of the uh, his ladies, right? Fran Drescher, Donna Dixon. But it was Fran Drescher who really kind of stirred my loins. I don't know why. I don't know why. But I was really kind of into her. Very vivacious. She's kind of cute. I mean, in a weird sort of way. Yeah, the voice is tough, but whatever. So is mine. (laughs) Have you you ever been with a woman or ever dated someone? (laughs) I know you've been with a woman. That's the whole point of the podcast. But... Have you ever been with someone who's like who had a quality like that that was just so annoying that eventually it ended up breaking you up? I mean, something like intangible, like like a weird voice, or like man hands, or you know they had unreasonably um, hairy feet. I, you know, I did. I dated a girl who had like light bulb toes, like her toes were like very, like light bulbs, and I couldn't overlook that because she was always wearing sandals too. Like if she had worn like Nikes, I probably would. We'd still be together today. But like light bulb toes kind of bother me. Light bulb toes bother me. Um, I've had um, uh, uh, somebody with extreme foot odor, who's always kicking them off like they were a hippie. 
Yeah. Again, uh, if they were still if they're wearing Nikes most of the time, we'd probably be fine. How about you? Gnarly toes, like yeah. really gnarly toes, like like an animal had gotten hold of them or something. Like you know, like you know, maybe they were mowing the grass with uh, <laughs> barefoot one time and just uh, fell asleep. Like one of those the old man mowers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just, mower, yeah. Oh, it's just it was just ugh. really see the light bulb toes were were, were manicured. And well kept, but they were just very bizarre. Like they'd start thin, then brrr, they'd kind of swell. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Yeah, it's like a condition. Know. So light bulb toes. Yeah, there were other things going on too. Uh, one girl had really smelly hair. What? Like the, like the rest of her was great. She smelled great, but her hair. It's like she she must have used some sort of weird medicated shampoo, like dandruff shampoo. It was even worse than that. We're like, the two biggest. <laughs> you know, somewhere there are two women doing crying. a podcast who are like you know <laughs> talking just about ripping da- us, dating chubby men. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it just was awful, and she liked to have her hair played with. And then so afterwards, my hands would reek of whatever scent that her perfume Weird had. smelling hair. It was awful. It was, like, it, was, it was like half medicinal and then half like some sort of nature-y thing, almost as if you were like... The sad thing is these days a girl could have like a rat's nest in her hair, and you would still be happy. Please don't leave me. I love you. <laughs> yes. Let's get married, Ratty. <laughs> Ratty. Uh, read some of the winners. Uh, we have Mark T. Van Wilson from London, Ontario. The man known only as Rowan. Kevin Wench. Craig in New Hampshire. Rock Fields. And the handsome, the rugged, the outdoorsy Ranger Steve. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. You are here. And so am I. Maybe millions of people go by. But they all disappear from view. I only have eyes for you, Linda. I only have eyes for you. If you know it, email us at stuckintheease at timpabay.com and then tune in next week to find out if you're a wiener. Ah, the mystical refrain that is named that 80s tune. Hey, we'll play a snippet of a song from the 80s and those Dio stickers are yours, my friend. I gotta get rid of them. Rainbow is the other band I know I have a lot of. Uh, ministry, wow! Uh, it's all the Steve. I feel a little guilty bad. about something. I feel like we were we were Light very toast. yeah we were really critical of 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 these really minor you know uh, uh, attributes but, these women have. I, I feel bad because I'm I, I'm no prize pig, Steve. Let's turn it around. I have emotion. Oh, what's what's annoying about me? No, no, like I'm really hairless. Well, as, as like a, a woman ever commented, there's something really annoying about you. <laughs> I mean, aside from the obvious. oh my god, it's like a checklist, you know. Uh, you know, some might say I'm self-involved. <laughs> Shut no. up, Steve. Um, what's annoying about me? Oh, geez, Steve. That they've brought up. Like what, a, a physical thing? Physical or a mental thing. It could be, you know, that someone has brought up to you and said, you know, you're not my type. You're... Oh. Um, gosh, that's really interesting. Do you want to go first? Um, I had hair, so My legs were too hairy for somebody. Oh, my God. I'm like the opposite of you. She really I like bizarro. Spears she really me. liked me, and then she saw me in shorts. And you see my legs; they're not overly hairy. No, you're not. Like I'm not Teen Wolf. Yeah, <laughs> um, but no, she was like she loved. I mean, and the rest of me is not exactly. It should be a giveaway, right? I mean, you look yeah, at my you're, arms. You're quite here, suit. No, I wouldn't go that far. I'd just say you know a healthy level of testosterone. And um, she saw the legs, and that was it. It was a deal breaker. Hairy legs. Hairy legs. Huh. I'm trying to, I, I, show that's, me your game. something real quick. I can't. I can't. Really. I got no hair on my legs, but I don't know if that's ever been like. Maybe it's been a turn off for somebody. I don't know if if I would say that to you if that were the turn off. Like the, I think I, the hairy legs thing I found out like through a mutual friend. Really, it was college. 
I mean, I have really nice legs, but they're like they're like Martina Navratilova's legs, you know. I don't know what that means. It turned out okay though, because like half the dorm slept with this girl anyway. Oh, see now you're you're going your. Ta- Why can't she just not like you because you have hairy legs? Maybe she was a fine woman. Now you're you're. Yeah, cutting a lot of her people down. did think she was. A fine I want to date her. I don't like your legs either. Shave those bitches. <laughs> God, can you imagine how oh, that would hurt? Epilady, baby. Epispearsy. I don't like the idea of that at all. No, I'm trying to think. I mean, my mine are just a, a, a personality quirks. I have the ability to like. Really, um, no one thought you were too tall. Like you didn't date a girl that was like a certain height, and she said, "Oh, you're just kind of too tall for me. We won't line up correctly." I've had that happen. No, no. Um, yeah, mine are like uh, physical. Because we're tall. I mean, we're both over six foot. So sometimes that happens. Like like a woman who's like five well, foot. I think, even I, I imagine, and you tell me this. Okay. You're, you're you've been on the on the dating scene for a while. A long but time. I imagine that you run into a lot of people who are just extremely cutthroat. Like, listen, they've been dating for a long time, and they just got to get things out. Like, hey, I can't date you because I don't like cats. Or hey, listen, no offense, I can't date you, but I'm very religious. You're not. It's not going to work out. You know. And then they just. You haven't yeah. even gone on a first date yeah. yet because now isn't it the whole internet dating all about like you well, have your checklist? Right. You're supposed to be able to eliminate that yeah. right up front. Now I, I can like the woman's like, hey, listen, I don't want to waste my time or your time, but I don't like you because you like journey. Gym people who like the gym rats? No. Yeah, no, that's, that's not, not me. That's not me either. So drink, drinking, I'm sure that's oh, a buzzkill. Yeah, drink too much. Eh, I never had anyone say that yet. <laughs> Is this still our Lou Graham show or I can't? <laughs> We might have time traveled. I kind of feel bad after he talks about rehab. And now we're talking about this. No, no, we're being honest. We we, yeah. we deal in honesty. Like we're Lou real. was honest, and now we're being honest. Yeah, we're real people. We're real. Anyway, on with the show. Okay. Pay attention. Here was last week's mystery tune. That's Phil Collins with "Groovy Kind of Love." Groovy kind of love. That's when I was in the circle of love at that wedding. Yeah, I know. I hate that story so much. Why? You, because it's annoying because you hate weddings. Not the way I oh, told I hate, it. Yeah, no, it was a great story. I just, I hate weddings. What it's, show was that when I told the circle of love? I don't even want to know. I don't want to think about it. it was, I haven't been to a wedding probably in 10 years. Ugh, and if, if I'm weddings. lucky, I'll never go to another one. God, you and I are, God, uh, uh, seriously, a, a psychologist could have a field day with us. We wouldn't even be hard. We, I mean, <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, another story. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we're, we're predictable. We're yeah. Just a couple of regular Joes. Regular Joes, that's us. Okay, we had some winners this week in the name of these two, and they are Jody Rothman, Troy Sag in Tulsa, A-Rod, Soul to Soul, Major Bedhead, Lyle in Vermont, Captain Pittsburgh, <laughs> and that rapscallion of the Midwest, Paul in Indianapolis. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. If you know it, email us at stuckinews at com and find out if you're a wiener next week. Please, please tell me now. Please, please tell me now. PPTMN. And it shall return. Yes. All it took was a threat. And we've we have tons in the the PPT TMN uh, queue, right? Right. And I was gonna we were gonna do three of them this week, but uh, yeah, but we got distracted talking about. We know you got to go us. back to watching. <laughs> yeah. 
our favorite topic. Anyway, this week's is from Mark in New Jersey, one of our favorite listeners. He uh, often sends us song clips. He did a great Odd Couple parody. Uh, when I was living in the Spears Lair. Was living in the Spears Lair? My ghost will always remain. My spirit will always remain. Story for another podcast, my Yeah, friends. yeah. The next week we'll tell you the ongoing saga of Sean and Steve as roommates. But Mark in New Jersey is one of our favorites. And this week he says, guys, PPTMN, there are many bands that are considered to be great 80s bands. U2, Van Halen, The Police, Rush. But they all predate 1980. Who, in your estimation, is the greatest pure 80s band? And I'll go first here, okay? If you steal my band, I'm going to be pissed. The greatest pure 80s band is the namesake of PPTMN, in a way, Duran Duran. Without a doubt, the greatest pure 80s band. They merged all the overt facets of the 1980s. The glam, the synth, the um uh the the narcissism the the wealth and opulence the songs that meant nothing and yet people thought they were deep anyway like the reflex <laughs> when i mean come on yeah. you try to top that no see i, I thought about duran duran too at first but then i thought maybe they shouldn't count because they're still around still making music well i'm not sure that was mark's mark didn't really um uh, set uh, no, you, know, you can borders set your own parameters. I, I see. I had two bands in mind that that okay. were born and died in the eighties. Oh, I know what you're gonna say. Well, one is Tears for Fears, which hmm. their their original run was from I think 1980 to 1989. So in a way, they just like sowing the seeds of love was in the nineties. No, everything was um, because what's his name left the band in '89. So they truly were a a 80s band. Now, they don't have all the factors that Duran Duran has, which right. make them a great pick. And you can say that Duran Duran really didn't survive the 80s because I mean, yeah, they did reunite like much later, but I have another one. Very short tenured and they combine everything you're talking about. Frankie goes to Hollywood. Ha! I thought you were going to say Flock of Seagulls, because Flock no, of Seagulls would be a Sadly, they're still around. But this is the greatest... Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Yeah. Think about it. Two albums, that's it. The first one was phenomenal. The second one was kind of forgettable, but I still like it. They, they had the sound. They had the look. They had, you know... What about Journey? Eh, Journey had been around since, like, the early 70s. Uh, that was bad. So they, they had their best, best success in the 80s. I think he's not saying the purest 80s band or the greatest... You know, Duran Duran works that way. You wouldn't really say that Journey doesn't count. Journey had plenty of songs that were hits before yeah. the 80s. I mean, in a way, you could almost kind of say the cars, except for the cars predate the 80s a little yeah, bit. Yeah, right, right. So for the same reason, you can't consider Van Halen, you can't consider the cars. Although I think the cars have an 80s sound, but no. Uh, Frankie goes to Hollywood. And I say Duran Duran. Boy, that, you talk about an act that is just, you know, Frankie say relax t-shirts, the whole nine There you yards. go. That's very good. I think both our answers are quite quite good. With mine slightly quite better. Perceptive. No, I think Duran Duran. You can vote out there. Whose answer is more uh, is, is better? Yeah, or Who's send in your own answer. Eighties band. Or, send in yeah, your own. Send answer. your own. Yeah, that's you know good. Email address. Don't well, make me say it. Say it again anyway. No, I just I'd love it. to hear you talk. Say it. Stuck in the eighties at TampaBay.com. All right, there you go. 
If you're not ready to give up on mullets in Madonna, log on to Stuck in the 80s, just one of the many blogs you'll find at TampaBay.com, the website of the St. Petersburg Times. Relive the music, movies, and culture of the greatest decade ever, only at TampaBay.com. This show, Steve. I love this show. You know what? We bared a little bit of our hearts. One of the greatest pure stuck in the '80s shows. You got a good interview for free on your iTunes. <laughs> a good interview, very, very perceptive, uh, emotional. Also has moment moments of whimsy and sexuality, uh, <laughs> much like a date with me. Uh, you learned a little bit about us and how we're misogynist pigs, <laughs> but also with hearts of stone or uh, hearts of gold. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and then you got some PPTMNs and some good segs. Yeah, we're coming down to the end of uh, 2010 here. And <gasps> it's times like this that you look back over the interviews that you've done this year and you wonder, you know, where does Lou fall? <laughs> Jesus, why are you getting so maul and sad? <laughs> are you about to make a major announcement? No, no. And that's why this will be my last <laughs> stuck in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I was thinking about the other day, we've had some interesting interviews this year. You know, we had Carl Weathers. Oh my god! I love the Carl Weathers interview. We had Weird Al, you cricket, know, we had Joe Elliott. We had we had Howard Jones. Yeah, I'd be interested to. I, I don't know what interviews lie ahead for 2010. If we'll get one more in or not, but uh, I always want to know. I mean, write us and let us know what was your favorite interview of 2010. Oh God, you're totally uh, you're 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 juicing the, the well there because everybody loves your Howard Jones. No, that's not true. I think there's better ones out there than Howard. Everyone's just like, oh, Steve. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> Let me get the KY. Even lose, like, don't do that. <laughs> well, anyway, go if you happen to live in town, go see uh, Lou Graham at the club in Treasure Island on November 27th uh, and sing extra loud to Midnight Blue and think of me without my pants on. It's <laughs> the least you can do. It's pretty much a Saturday night for me. In the meantime, Sean Daly, myself, and Mr. Lou Graham, we remain here hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is produced by the St. Petersburg Times and TampaBay.com. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for the music for the opening credits. Read our blog at TampaBay.com slash blogs slash 80s. And don't forget to subscribe to the show at iTunes. It's the sound of reading mailback. <laughs> that's not what I say.